Well, good morning again, LC. How are we feeling so far? Everybody having a good morning? Man, I'm excited about jumping into this new series titled Mindfield. But before we do, I want to pray over this morning and pray over the duration of the series. You know, the Lord laid this series in my heart a number of months ago, and so I'm really excited to get into it. But before we do, I just want to pray uh, over the series for my mouth and for your ears, and that in the process we would all grow together. So if you would pray with me. Father, we thank you for your greatness. We worship you, God, for everything that you've done in our lives. And God, we thank you for all the gifts and the provisions that you've given us. And Lord, as we jump into this series of Minefield, I pray that you would uh, speak to all of us so that we would understand the power of our thoughts. And Lord, that we would walk out of this thing not just with some intellect, but Lord, with some life change. We thank you for who you are. In your name we all said, amen. Man, I'm excited about it, all that God's going to do in this series. I was thinking this week, uh, and I had a realization that when all of us were born, when we were born or before we were born, that we were a blank canvas, that all of us were a blank canvas. Nothing bad had happened to us. Nobody had lied to us. Nobody had stolen from us. Nobody had tricked us or manipulated us or hurt us. That was all before we were born. But then when we're born, we come into this world and right out the chute, man, right when we're born, somebody that we've never met before grabs us, turns us upside down, and spanks us right on the butt, right? And it's kind of a sorry situation. You're inside your mama's tummy, all warm and safe, and then now you're thrust out into this cold, bright world where there's some guy that you've never met and he's spanking you, right? It's kind of a, a rough adjustment there at the beginning. And so for all of us, we started out as a blank canvas, but then as we went through life, we have these challenges, these things that can come up into our lives that can give us kind of a negative perspective of some things. And not only did the doctor when we were born, did he spank us, but then he immediately judged us, right? He judged us based on our appearance. He looked at us and he said, huh, you know, all their fingers and all their toes, and he judged us on our height and our weight, and we kind of do that to ourselves still, right? And we want to see where we are and how are we doing. And so he judged us, and then he did the worst thing. For all these years, and our mamas tell me, or not years, for the nine months when our mamas tell me, we received everything we needed through this magical little cord connected. And then the guy who spanked us cut that thing off. That's bad news, y'all. That was the worst thing, because now we had to learn to fend for ourselves, and we had to learn how to feed ourselves, which is kind of an awkward situation in that department anyways, right? And so it was a tough beginning. But the truth is in life, the hits just keep coming, don't they? It doesn't just start right when you're born that on the clean canvas that God made that some negative things can be attached to it. At your one-year-old birthday party, if you were like me, you know, or I had done to my kids, you get your one-year-old and you put them in their little high chair and you get them their own special little cake. Have you seen this? And the little one-year-old, he gets excited, and he starts touching the cake and he gets some frosting on his hand and it goes to his mouth. And that one-year-old, his whole life is changed. His eyes are open. He's looking brighter because he's tasted sugar for the first time. And then you have to go through your whole life trying to not eat cake. It's the worst thing ever. It's so hard. Why does that happen to us? It's difficult. And the, the hits just keep coming. Things just keep getting worse. Your mom and dad, they buy you a toy and you think that you own that toy. But then your uh, friends come over and they say, well, this isn't your toy. You have to share, right? That's a tough thing for us to have to Learn. Then we learn how to ride a bike, and you fall off, and you crash, and you cut your leg, and so this thing you thought was going to be fun turned into something that actually led to pain, and that gets imprinted in your memory. Then your mom and dad send you to school, and they say, listen, school's going to be a blast. It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to make tons of friends, and so you get excited, and then you go to school, and you get beat up on at recess, right? And so that's bad news. Then you think school's fun because you're playing with Play-Doh one day, and a couple years go by, and you're sitting at home with algebra homework, right? Like these things that we thought were fun, they then quickly turn into something that becomes an inconvenience or a hardship or a heartache. 
So then you get a little bit older and you come to the realization of the opposite sex, right? And so you start looking at girls a little differently. You start looking at guys a little bit differently. And that opens up a whole new area of heartbreak. Can I get a witness, right? And so where you think you were just fun, you now you ask a girl to prom and she says no. And so your heart's broken, right? Or you ask someone to, will you be my girlfriend? And she gives you that, well, I think we're better as just friends. She puts you in the friend zone, right? That hurts. Or maybe you're in a dating relationship and they give you this. They say, it's not you, it's me. We know that's not true, right? And so what happens is, is you have these experiences and these things that happen in your life and they attach to your memory, they attach in your mind, and those things are what you base your decisions out of. And then as you get older, you then have a child of your own and that baby is born and you're excited about the blank canvas and then the doctor takes that baby, spanks your baby on the butt and the whole cycle starts all over again. And you see, this life is full of trial. This life is full of struggle. Our life is full of difficult things that we have to learn how to navigate and the hits just keep coming. But there's good news, and the good news is that Jesus was aware of this. That Jesus didn't say, hey, life is gonna be perfect, 100%, everything's gonna be together. But Jesus said, hey, in this world, you are gonna have some difficult things. He tells us this in John 16, It says this, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You're gonna have some tough times. You're gonna get spanked on the butt, you're gonna get algebra homework, you're gonna fall off your bike. But then it goes on, it says, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. And in life, we have troubles and struggles and trials and battles. Everyone say battles. In this life, we face battles. We have to experience and go through things sometimes that are hard. But the, 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 the fight in our life, it's not just based externally. The fight is based internally. It's a fight of the mind. It's a fight in the mind field. And you see, the reason that these bad things, these negative things happen to us aren't because God is in heaven trying to punish you. It's not because God's in heaven mad at you. He's not frustrated with you. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, God tells us after the fall of man, after Adam and Eve sinned, God said, because sin has entered the world, you will have toil in this life. You will have to work hard to produce things from the ground. It's going to be hard work. And see, we live in a fallen world. So if I could for just a minute take a rabbit trail and then jump on a soapbox, I just want to tell you this morning that God's not the one who sends bad things into your life. God doesn't bring temptation. God doesn't punish you. Now that may not line up with your belief, and I'm sorry that you're wrong, but that's true. I've got good news. God loves you, man. God has a great plan for you. He believes in you. God has a desire to bring good things into your life. But the truth is we do have an adversary. We do have an enemy whose goal is to steal, kill, and destroy things in our life. But we can't get it twisted or confused that God's the one who's sending the negative things. You see, we live in a fallen world. God, through his sovereignty, gave us free will. And in our free will, we have the ability to worship him based on our own decision. But in our free will, we also have the ability to make negative decisions. But we're in a fallen world, so sometimes negative things happen. So let me jump off my soapbox and get back in to the series this morning. Here's what we need to know. That in the battles of life, that the mind is where the battle begins. The mind, right here, is where the battles that we face in life, they begin here. We can think that they began in an argument with our wife. We can think that the battle began when we got the bank statement and we're out of money. We can think that the battle is with the number on the scale. We can think that those are the battles of life. But the real battle of life is in the battle of the mind. 
And as we go through life, we have all of these experiences, some we can laugh about, like getting broken up with before prom. We can laugh about that now. But there are some experiences that happen in life that we never are going to laugh about because they're hard and they're heavy and they really do hurt us. But as those things are placed in our mind, they create our memories. And that creates how we navigate thought now. Because if we got hurt in the past somewhere, that's going to decide how we make our decision in life today. And if we're, and what happens is, is we mess up and we begin to have the wrong mindset based on our negative experience in the past. So we have to be very aware and very clear of the mindset that we have in life. You see, if we don't navigate our thoughts properly, they will lead to our ultimate destruction. They're going to lead to our ultimate destruction in life if we don't navigate them properly. In times of war, an enemy if they thought that their uh, enemy was going to walk through a field, what they would do is they would take landmines and they would go into this field and they would dig holes and they would put landmines in the ground and then cover them up with the goal of stopping the progress of their enemy. And so the army would then go marching through the field or driving their vehicles through the field and they would drive over a landmine and it would blow up and disable the vehicle or it would kill or maim a soldier. And the whole goal of the enemy was to injure and stop the forward progress of their enemy. And can I tell you something? That we have a very real enemy today. His name is the devil. His name is Satan. His name is Lucifer or Beelzebub. And if you're south of the border, his name is Diablo, right? So wherever you are, we have a very real enemy whose goal is to stop our forward progress. His goal is to ruin and destroy our life. And the thing is, is that in our minds, he is laying minefields, he is laying bombs, he is laying traps and explosions that if he can get us to think in a certain direction, he can halt the progress of our life. Because if we can think we aren't good enough, then we won't be. If we can think we're trapped in sin, then we will be. If we think that we're not good enough, then we're not going to have confidence to do the thing that God's called us to do. So the enemy, he is constantly on a daily basis, he's planting things to destroy us. He plants landmines in our mind with the intention of destroying us. And for us to get healthy in life, we're in a season of health. For us to get healthy in life, we have to learn how to navigate the minefield. We have to understand the thoughts and the feelings and the ideas that I have constantly coming in through my five senses. How do I navigate these things so I can be successful in what God has for me? Proverbs 23, 7, it says this. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, what you think about becomes who you are. And if you don't, if you're not careful, then your thoughts become your actions, and then your actions become your life. So a lot of us would say that we want to change our life. We want to change something about our life. But it doesn't start with our actions. The way we change our life, it starts with our thoughts. If we want to change something in our life, we have to go back to our thought process. We have to go back to the minefield and examine what are we thinking about. A number of months ago in April, we were in a series here at Living Church called Truth, where we just talked about truths in God's Word. And one of the truths that we shared was found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, where we talked about how above all else, we have to guard our heart. And as a pastor, sometimes while I'm speaking, what's happening is I'm speaking to you, but then God is speaking to me about something totally different. It's very confusing what can happen in your brain up here, right? And so he's speaking to me about some things that I need to begin to learn, some things that I need to be, begin to study for my own self and for the health of the church. And in this message, uh, back, uh, back in April, as we talked about guarding our heart, we talked about how in life, the most important thing in our life is our heart. 
Because everything we do in life flows from our heart. Our energy, our passion, our vitality, our ability to deal with difficult circumstances, it flows out of the abundance of our heart. But the truth is that our heart and our mind are connected. And the way that the enemy, he wants to attack our heart is through our thoughts, right? Our mind is the opening of our well. And so we have to guard not only our heart, but we have to be intentional about our thoughts. And all throughout scripture, the word heart and mind in a lot of places are interchangeable for the same concept. And it says in Proverbs 4, 23, same scripture in the uh, contemporary English version, it says this, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of true life. So one version says guard your hearts. Another version says guard your thoughts. That's because they're interchangeable ideas, that your, your mind and your heart are very much connected. And in Philippians chapter 4, 7, it echoes the same concept. It says this in Philippians 4, 7. It says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. That Jesus, through his uh, death and resurrection, that through a relationship with him, that we can guard not only our hearts, but we can guard our minds. You know what that means? It means that we can guard our emotions and we can guard our intellect. Our emotions and our intellect. And sometimes when we're not careful, our life can be led by our emotions, not our own intellect. And who knows that leads to all kinds of trouble. That when we live life based on our emotions, then we find ourselves making decisions we don't want to make, and our intellect may be saying, no, don't do that thing, don't feel that way, don't go there. And our intellect is shouting, but our emotions take over. But we need to understand that to have the kind of life God has created us to have, we have to learn how to deal and operate in the minefield. Because we do have an adversary, an enemy, the, the, the one who comes to trick and deceive the brethren, that's us. And the place that the devil attacks us the most is in our mind. It's his main goal to get into our mind and to get us thinking things that we shouldn't be thinking. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Satan, who is God of this world. Now notice it's God, lowercase g meaning that he is not the God, but because we live in a fallen world, a broken world, that Satan is here and has dominion in a lot of areas. It says this, he has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. So Satan's goal is to blind our mind and to get us to think things that we should not be thinking. It goes on, it says, they are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They do not understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is exact likeness of God. You see, church, we are on a daily basis fighting an invisible war. There's an invisible war being waged against our mind. Every day, the enemy is trying to sell us lies and negativity and hurtful thoughts and attack and things that can come into us and begin to think in a negative way. Remember uh, when you were a kid and you watched cartoons like Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck and all those guys? And they would always have this scene where there would be a little... A devil and a little angel. Remember that scene on the cartoon character? And the little devil would tell him to do something bad, and the little angel would tell him to do something good. You know, that's a very real depiction of what's happening uh, in this invisible battle in the minefield, yeah. is that all the time the devil, what he wants to do is he wants to sit on your shoulder and begin to speak lies and say, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You can't do this. You are ugly. God doesn't have a plan for you. No one likes you. You're never going to amount to anything. And he gets on our shoulder and he just begins to speak lies into us. 
And you see, unfortunately, the devil doesn't show up. He doesn't just pop up and declare physical war on us. He doesn't say, hey, let's have a thumb war, right? He doesn't have arm wrestling contests. He doesn't play tug of war with you. But he sits on our shoulder in an invisible place, and he begins to speak lies into our mind, and we have to learn how to navigate the minefield, or we're going to step on something and blow ourselves up and stop our advancement. You see, the devil, he has a whole arsenal of weapons that he uses in the war he wages against us. But it's not physical weapons. He doesn't have a knife and a lead pipe and a candlestick, like in Clue, right? He doesn't have all that stuff. But he has a whole other plethora of weapons that he uses to attack our minds. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it shares this idea with us. It's so powerful. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and pretenses that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act uh, of disobedience once your obedience is complete. This is such a powerful scripture. Because it shows us that the enemy, he has a bunch of tools, a bunch of weapons that he can use to demolish us. But you see, this scripture really talks a lot about the mind. Because you see, arguments happen in the mind. Pretenses that we set up happen in the mind. Our knowledge is based out of the mind. And then God, he even tells us that what we need to do is be aware of the thoughts that we have. So our mind is the battlefield on a daily basis. And if he can get our thoughts off track, he can get our life off track. If he can get you thinking something that you shouldn't be thinking, he will quickly get you doing something that you shouldn't be doing. You know how I know that? Because it's happened to me, y'all. Because I've been thinking something I shouldn't be thinking, and before I know it, I'm somewhere I shouldn't be. I'm spending money on something I shouldn't spend it on. I'm saying words I wish I wasn't saying. Because he gets us thinking one direction, and we begin acting in a direction that we don't want to go. And what I've learned is that the devil plays the long game. He plays the long game. The devil just doesn't show up in your life when you're 35 and say, you know what I want to do? I want to go ahead and make this person insecure. I want to get insecurity rooted really deep in them. He doesn't start when you're 35. He starts when you're eight years old. And so when you're eight years old, you're in gym class about to play kickball, and all the other kids get picked except you. You're eight years old, and guess what happens? The little devil pops up on your shoulder for the first time, and he starts saying, you're not good enough. You're not cool. Everybody else is more popular than you. No one likes you. You don't have any friends. And from that moment on, every time the devil jumps up on your shoulder, he's feeding into that same thought. So that then when you arrive to adulthood, you're insecure. And you're unable to do the things that God's called you to do. But it didn't start today. It started a long time ago. And you see, parents, that's why it's important you have your kids in church. Because the enemy plays the long game. And he's playing the long game over your kids right now. And what we need to do is intentionally be combating the lies that the enemy is telling them. And if I could, I'm going to beat up the dads for just a minute. And dads, we've got to lean into this and fight. If there were someone in my front yard trying to beat up my kid, I wouldn't send Rachel out to fight them. You don't know why? Because if there's a man in my front yard, I'm a man, I'm going to go out there and whoop his tail, right? That's my job. And so the Bible tells us that the devil as a caricature is a man, He is not referred to as a female. He's referred to as a male. So dads, fight. 